0: Thank you for listening to Hope Fellowship Church in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. Welcome to our Palm Sunday Sermon Podcast. Today, we will be exploring the significance of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem and the events that followed. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit hopejaffrey.org. breaking out of our series in David we're going to be focusing on Palm Sunday we have another message coming up on Good Friday as well I hope you can make it out to that and then Easter next week I'm excited about that it's a wonderful time of year if you turn with me to Mark uh, chapter 10 I'm going to begin reading in Mark and then I'm going to hop over to Matthew 21 I'm just going to read the text for this morning and then we'll jump into the message Mark chapter 10 is an event that happens right before Palm Sunday. There's an account of it in, in, in the Gospels. We're going to read Mark's account in Mark 10, verse 46, and then we'll jump into Matthew's account of the triumphal entry in Palm Sunday in Matthew 21. So in Mark 10, verse 46, it says this, And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and a great crowd, and a great crowd Bartimaeus, a, a blind beggar, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. This is verse 47, Mark 10. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, or they shushed him. Right, But he, he cried all, all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up or he jumped up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight, don't you see? Verse 52, "And, and and Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well or your faith has saved you. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. You'll see Mark 11 goes right into the triumphal entry, and that's what I want to swap back over to Matthew chapter 21, and we'll read Matthew's account of the triumphal entry. Verse chapter 21 of Matthew, verse 1, it says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. And this, took a, uh, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, this is in Zechariah, where they say in verse 5, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the full of a beast of burden. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on their cloaks and sat on them. Most of the crowd spread the cloaks on the road and and others cut branches, these palm branches from the trees and spread them along the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, which means save us, help us. In the highest, verse 10, and when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? The crowd said, this is the prophet of Jesus, prophet Jesus from Nazareth, Nazareth of Galilee. Then we'll keep reading. Verse 12 says, and Jesus entered the temple. He drove out all those who sold and bought in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats and those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, But you make it den of robbers. In verse 14, in the blind, love this verse, in the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and that the children were crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant or they scoffed and they were against him. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? Do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, yes, have you read? In Psalm, it says, out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Let's open in prayer. Father, we thank you for these words. We ask God you'd speak to us this morning through your word and through your truth. God, we have already prayed to you. We've sung your praises. We've fellowship together. We've gathered in this place. May you be honored and glorified with what we bring to you. May our lives and our worship and our time today in your word, may it be a sweet-smelling savor to you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you for this day, this, this holiday, this celebration of Palm Sunday. Help us understand its meaning and its depth by understanding who you are, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. So today is... Uh, Palm Sunday. I love this time of year. Today's message is entitled, the, the Sounds of Palm Sunday. The Sounds of Palm Sunday. And it's in this time of year, where I, as a pastor, I, I, I do love Christmas and Easter. It's not a really big surprise but in Easter especially where there's a few moments where the, the, the spinning world and all the speed of life and all the busyness of the church and the congregation, it slows down to a point and gives its attention to the things of God and it may be a more focused way than we typically do throughout the year. Even even the watching world outside the church will, even for a moment, even for a brief second, will, will focus on the gospel or the things of God or the church. Maybe for, a like I said, a time. Maybe they haven't done it all year and, and the focus is on the church. The focus is on Jesus and the resurrection. There's this expectation. There's an anticipation for something that is coming. There's a sense of new life that converges with this idea of the time of year that we're in. Time of year that we find ourselves is springtime. Though, yes, at times it doesn't always feel like spring. I've heard on the calendar it says it's spring. Now, yesterday was really nice, right? And you Rhode Island, people. You get the warm weather way down there in the south, you know? Yeah, yeah. But this whole idea of this springtime, this sense of a newness, this regeneration that happens every year. The other day I was sitting, just a few days ago, it was one of those mildly warm days that we've had scattered in between, but I was sitting on the back deck in the sun, you know, and some of you have been on vacation down in Florida or wherever, these places, but just in, in the sun. Now I'm sitting on my deck, it finally had melted the snow off, but there's still snow everywhere else around me. But for a moment, if you, if you closed your eyes, right, and you, and you allowed yourself not to look at the melting snow, but to just see, uh, to, to feel, right, to feel the warmth of the sun. And I remember sitting there. And for the, like I've said many times, for the brief moments, my children weren't crying or running around. I couldn't hear it, and I was just sitting there in the sun, listening. And as Jonas was saying earlier, the the aspect of sitting in silence for a moment is even strange for us. I even find myself, you know, reaching for my phone, you know, right? But just to sit there in the sun. I remember hearing the sounds of springtime. And I could hear my kids in the front yard playing and and running around and riding bikes. The sun was shining. I could hear birds singing, like amazing, right? You could hear the wind just lightly rustling the tree branches. You could hear the the sound of the gutters on the house, right? As the snow melts and, and it drips down through the gutters and it's rushing down the muddiness of mud season, but the warmth that it brings and the reminder that winter is fading, spring is coming, there is this sense that something is changing. Though I don't fully see it yet, I can, I can hear the sound of the change. I can hear the sound of something is different. And then, even like last night, know if you heard or where you were, but there was quite the thunderstorm, right? Did you hear that? I live up on a hill, and some of our neighbors who live have this quite this view out over the Monadnock region, and they said that lightning was striking all over the place. And yet that's a, it's an interesting sound, for you don't hear thunder and lightning during the winter very often. I don't I'm not a meteorologist, and someone's going to have to explain that to me, why that is later on. But the thunderstorms that come, and that reminder that, wow, something's breaking, something's changing, something's melting. And then the other day, I was, as all good, and I know someone else was talking about this, as all good New Englanders do, we accelerate springtime by shoveling and snow blowing our snowbanks, right? You've got to spread them out, right, so that they go away quicker, Okay. <laughs> So I'm over there as the man of the father of the house, right? And I'm just shoveling snowbanks into the driveway and all over the place, right? Just into nothingness. Like, Get the snow out of here. And as I did that, we were shoveling snowbanks off of one of our flower beds. And underneath there is, is this little, little buds, right? You've seen it. You all know what I'm talking about. These little buds that are underneath there. But it's so fascinating when they're, when they're literally enveloped in snow. And they're enveloped in ice, and then you expose, and you're like, whoa, hey, little guy, you've been there the whole time, right, you know, kind of like, here, come on up, you know, and he's been pushing up through that warm soil as it's been warming and pushing its way up in this new life that comes about. Spring is coming. Hope is here. I think in many ways this idea of this resurrection and this new life that comes from the snow is, is, coincides, crashes into our story of Palm Sunday today. Where it's as if you have these green branches, you have these palms on either side here that remind us of what it is that we're talking about on Palm Sunday, this green branch that the people would have taken. They would have taken one of these branches and they'd cut the branch off and they'd wave it in the air that Hosanna, the son is coming. Son of David, the king is here. They lay it down on the ground. It's in that picture of the greenness. springtime. There's life that's coming, and yet there's also a picture that I've found fascinating with it. I was thinking about it the other day. That palm branch is cut, it is waved, and it's living, it's green, it's bright, and yet that palm branch will be laid down, and it will die eventually. There's a picture of what's gonna happen with Jesus as he comes in on Palm Sunday. Everyone's crying in adulation and celebration, and, and there's this new life and the springing forth into something that is to come, and yet Jesus is about to be cut off, he's about to be laid down, he's about to be trampled upon. And yet we know what comes from that, as if, as if the scripture reminds us a seed that is planted must die first in order to bring forth new life. We know that is coming in Good Friday and Easter. But it's this picture that I, found, I find beautiful, because it's in Isaiah 35. I want to turn there. Isaiah 35, before we kind of get into a few of these details... Isaiah 35 is is a passage I've been stumbling upon in some of my Bible reading, and it was something that just helped frame and shape and give metaphor and picture and, and even some prophecy in a sense of what was to come here. Isaiah 35, verse 1. As this new song, this new way, this springtime is coming, this Palm Sunday, something is changing, a king is here. What is going on? Isaiah 35 says, Verse one, the wilderness and the, dry, and the dry land shall be glad. Dryness is going to burst forth. It's going to be happy. For the deserts shall rejoice and they will blossom like the crocus. And when I read that, I was like, what's a crocus? I don't know. The ESV uh, says crocus. Some of your other translations might say spring flower. Uh, it might even, some say the lily of the valley. The rose of Sharon is a similar word here. I looked it up, but a crocus is this idea where, in fact, if you want to put a picture up on on the screen, I think we have that. This crocus flower in many regions is this flower that bursts through the snow because it's one of the, the flowers that marks the arrival of spring. Now, for many of you who are much talented gardeners than I am, please correct me later, but this is what I've gathered from it is this sense of the crocus flower, this this lily, this spring, uh, this 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 flower that is bursting forth in this coldness. It is one of the first things that you'll see. It marks the arrival of spring, especially in New England around this area. Depending on the severity of your winter, it depends on maybe when and where you'll see it. But it is a picture, it is a sense that There is something changing, hope is here, life is coming, and Isaiah 35 gives us this sense, the dry land is rejoicing, this cold and dark, frozen, barren land is now melting away, and life is springing up from it, in beauty, in in the flower, the iris, and it is in the iris, you could say, of the eye, where the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the scripture says here. So let me look in verse, in chapter 35, verse 2. It shall blossom abundantly, Isaiah, and rejoice with joy and singing. There's joy, there's singing. The whole Mount of Carmel, this area of Sharon, it will, it will have glory of the Lord and the majesty of God. Look at this, verse 3, and maybe this is for you today. Verse 3, strengthen the weak hands. And make firm the feeble and shaking knees and say to those in the next verse who have an anxious heart, is that you today? That anxious heart, you feel like your hands are weak, feeble and scared and shaking knees. I don't know if I can keep going on and maybe that's how you feel during this winter. I don't know if I can take another three foot snowstorm, right? I don't know if I can do it. Like I said before, I always feel very led to, by the Spirit to, to pastor in Florida during this time of year, right? But for some reason, the Lord keeps calling me home, right? Okay. Now, but this idea, right? You, you have this sense where I, I don't know, my hands are weak, I have feeble knees, I have an anxious heart. What am I to do? Verse four, be strong and fear not. Behold your God, or as it says in the Gospels, behold your King. He is coming with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. You That word save you right there is a version, is a form of hosanna. Hosanna. this idea of save us. And so when it says there, he will come and save you, it is hosanna. So it is this sense of hosanna that we see here in verse 4. And then verse 5, this is exactly what we just saw Jesus do. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Darkness will be turned into light before them, as it says in Isaiah 42. Jesus opens the eyes of Bartimaeus. It is the ears of the deaf will go unstopped. And then verse 6, and then the lame man will leap like a deer. The tongue of the mute shall sing for joy as the children and the crowds who had felt muted in Jerusalem for so long are now, the throngs of people are gathering in the city of Jerusalem and crying out praises for their new king. They are praising Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David, the king is here. Then in that passage, we don't have time, but there's more. The highway shall be there. The ransom to the Lord shall return. Zion will be filled with singing. And that's what we see is going on here in Jerusalem. And yet it's this sense of blindness that sticks out to me. For verse 5, the eyes of the blind will be opened. And that's what I want to look at in Mark 10. You could turn there in Mark 10 if you'd like, but it's this sense of In Mark, where he's speaking about the blind Bartimaeus. They say blindness has a way of heightening other senses. You've probably heard that, right? I've never been blind, but I, I can imagine if I, even for the moment, if you were to close your eyes for a long extended period of time, your mind starts counteracting what it can't see and starts heightening the awareness and the senses of other things. I don't know if it's really a thing anymore, but supposedly there was a little bit of a trend where you can go uh, dining to like a restaurant blindfolded. Have you, have you ever heard of that? I don't know. It's like a blind dinner dating or something. Not like a blind date, right? But this idea of going to a restaurant and eating your meal while being blindfolded because supposedly it awakens the senses of other things. I'm not sure if any of you have ever tried that or whatever or if it'll work for your wife's cooking or something. I don't know, but sorry. Uh, no, but this, <laughs> this idea, that wasn't planned. I, I, some of the things I just say things and it's like, why did you do that? I'm gonna pay for that later. All right, but this idea of blindness, right? Let's rein it back, people, right back. <laughs> the idea of blindness, you can't see anything. And Bartimaeus, I don't, I'm not sure the amount of years, but imagining years and years of, 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 of blindness, not being able to see, and then the imagining myself in, in Bartimaeus's shoes. Poor, for it says that he was a beggar. He's sitting there begging every day. Help me, help me. Alms for the poor. I don't know what they would say, right? But that picture of total lostness in the dark, and yet for him to then hear in the distance something in his heightened sense of hearing, no doubt than the other people around him, can hear a crowd coming, can hear Jesus is coming. The name Jesus, the man of Nazareth, is coming. Something is shifting. Sands are shifting. This land is melting. There is something in his life that begins to change. And imagining ourselves to feel what it is that Bartimaeus would feel. As in verse 46 and 47 says, as they came to Jericho and as he was leaving Jericho, the disciples came with a great crowd and Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside and when he heard it, it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and what did he say? Jesus, (laughs) son of David, have mercy on me so the first sound that we really see, and we're going to be going through these very quickly, the first sound that we hear, rather, the first sound that we hear is this blind man crying out. The sound of Palm Sunday, this crying out of a blind man in, in desperation, and yet with faith and humility, he cries out to the only one who can do anything about his situation, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. He cries out to the great healer, the great physician, the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God. And yet he uses the name and he uses the term Son of David. Why is that significant to us? Well, we've been going through a series of David. We've walked through 1 Samuel, and we're in the middle of 2 Samuel. And as we see in David, there are so many foreshadows to the final David, to the King of kings and Lord of lords, which is Jesus Christ. But David represents in so many ways this foreshadowing of the Messiah for Jesus Christ. For David was the anointed one, as it was said, which is another term for the Messiah, and in many ways, David is viewed as that in the Old Testament, this anointed one of God to lead and shepherd the people of Israel. And yet we see, sprinkled throughout, Ezekiel and Isaiah and some of the phrases we just read that, that, that this David, that David was not the final David. He was the one pointing to the one for Josh last week, shared about how David was an imperfect human being. He sinned just like everyone else. And so we need a perfect savior, a perfect anointed one, a Messiah who would come and rescue us from the situation that we find ourselves in. You could say the son of David. For in First Samuel seven, it for, is foretold by God to David, saying that your uh, ancestor, your line and lineage from you, will come someone who will save the world. I will never take off of the throne of David someone without the scepter, without the power, without the authority. From David's kingly line will come a final king who will reign forever. And the only way a king could reign forever is if he lived forever. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He's the son of David. Messiah. A statement that the priests and the the scribes and the Pharisees should have seen and should have known and should have believed and should have been crying out themselves, but they didn't. And isn't it fascinating that, that a blind man could see Jesus in ways that the people who could see clearly could not, right? That the people who should have seen Jesus for who he was were the ones who were actually blind. But the blind Bartimaeus who could not see, could spiritually see the power and the Messiah, messianic power that was with Jesus. So Jesus, what does he do in verse 49? It says that Jesus is in a crowd, and you can imagine, again, the crowd that's headed towards Palm Sunday that will be there shortly is this, this crowd that's pushing along. There's noise, there's, there's crying out, there's people, whatever, and, and here in this moment, it's as if there's a crying out, and, and Jesus, in verse 49, As the crowd tries to shush this guy, this beggar, would you be quiet? Stop bothering him. Son of David, have mercy. And Jesus, verse 49, Jesus stopped. I love that. He just stops. It it reminds me of the other one when uh, there is a crowd and there is a a woman with a great discharge of blood. And she is said to have touched the fringe of Jesus' garment. You, You remember this. And what does Jesus do? It's almost humorous, for Peter is the one again who says something right after it, I believe. But Jesus says, Someone is touching me, you know? Who touched me? He says. And Peter's like, Lord, everyone's touching you, right? There's a great crowd of people. We're trying to file you through this area. Would we get a move on, Lord? It's not safe. Let's keep going. And Jesus stops. He says, Someone touched me. Here, in a very similar manner, he stops. Someone's calling out to me. And he says to them, call him. And they called the blind man saying, take, take heart, meaning have courage. Right? Get up, for he is calling you. And it's fascinating. For a minute ago, they were trying to shush him. But now that Jesus has drawn his attention to him, now all of a sudden, hey man, get up. Jesus is calling you. Come on over. It's fascinating. And I just love this. Can you visualize the picture? Maybe you've heard it before. But just try to visualize the picture of verse 50. He, he's sitting there. He's calling him and he's been raising his hand. Jesus, pick me, pick me, right? Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Help me, help, help, help. Hosanna, you could say. Hosanna, Hosanna, right? And then verse 50. And throwing off his cloak, it's his outer garment, just chucking it aside. He sprang up. He jumped up and he goes to Jesus. You can almost see him running to Jesus, but he's a blind man. He still can't see yet. no doubt he has to follow and desire where he last heard, and so he's trying to locate him. He he finds Jesus, and Jesus says to him, hey, what do you want me to do for you? And really, in a sense, he's giving him a chance to confess his faith before everyone else. Confess his faith and boldly proclaim what it is that he believes Jesus can do for him, just so that everyone else can hear. What is it that you want me to do for you? Would you give me my sight? Help me recover my sight. I need to see. It gives him a chance, and... His faith, he says, the rabbi says to him, Rabbi, let me recover my, see, my faith. And, and Jesus, the rabbi, says to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. Your faith in the one who can do something about it. Your faith in Jesus Christ, the power of God, has come upon you today and changed your winter dryness, cold and darkness into a spring vision of new light and new life and new sight gives him this faith and this faith is a sense that is enveloped in this statement your faith has saved you our faith that we place in Jesus is what saves us right Jesus is our savior we have faith in him and so we join with Bartimaeus in this way we celebrate and in similar way we join with Bartimaeus for what does he immediately do and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way isn't that amazing he follows him on the way He follows Jesus and that's when I see because I then begin to hear in chapter 11 of Mark or Matthew 21 where we hear something else. Not only do we hear uh, this blind man crying out or a Messiah who then calls out and answers him, but we we hear also a donkey braying. Matthew 21 describes this donkey that fulfills Scripture. Jesus rides in humbly mounted upon a donkey, a beast of burden. So many implications there. So many aspects, but ultimately that this king is a different kind of a king. He doesn't come riding in on a white steed with an army behind him. He comes in riding on a humble, mounted on a little old donkey. Humble. He would ride in humility as, the, as Jesus, and as Paul says in Philippians, that he would take on the form of a servant. Take on the form of mankind. And he would go to the cross and give his life as a ransom for many, like a palm branch laid down on the ground. He would give his life up as a ransom for many. How different is that from the leadership we so often see in our culture today? Everyone is clamoring to look at me, look at me, and Jesus says, let me lay down my life for you. We hear the donkey braying, the donkey is brought, and then we hear the crowd shouting, shouting. There is this exclamation of people, and yet this crowd is different. There's a famous play that I often reference at times, but Les Miserables, there's a song that says, Do you hear the people sing, singing the songs of angry men? Have you ever heard of that? Speaking of the French Revolution and the angry mobs of people that came through Paris and Versailles, taking the aristocrats and guillotining by cutting off their heads in the streets for a righteous vengeance against them. In their mind, righteous. Here we see a different We don't hear songs of angry men. We hear songs of people who are in need of a Savior. Songs of people who, yes, maybe don't fully understand what Jesus is going to do on the cross. They don't fully grasp everything that's going on. But they certainly get something right. They certainly get that he's the Messiah, that he's their Savior, that he's the King. Many other people don't get that right. But at least they got this right that day. They're clamoring and praising, help us, save us. Hosanna is what that means. Son of David, you are the king. Then we hear as Jesus comes, as Jesus enters Jerusalem, we see a different phrase. We see a different idea. We see also a different Jesus come in ways that maybe that we haven't seen before for he comes into the temple and we hear tables flipping. So it's right after this blind Bartimaeus, the triumphal entry, the Palm Sunday where eventually Jesus will come into the temple. This is Matthew 21 verse 12. There's all these money changing, there's this really desecration of what the temple worship was supposed to be, barring some from worshiping God in order to exchange uh, money, in order to get a a cut out of what was going on. People using this as as a marketplace for their own personal gain instead of allowing people to come freely and worship the Almighty God. An absolute desecration of true worship, that this was supposed to be a place or a house of prayer place where people and anyone could come and pray to Yahweh. And so he cleanses it, he flips the tables, he drives out the people, you could hear probably the animals making all sorts of noises, people are, are, are freaking out and running from this place as he, as he clears it. It reminds me of a, of a scenario that we, we covered briefly a few weeks ago when we talked about how David came into Jerusalem for the first time. Do you remember this in 2 Samuel chapter 5? David is said to have ascended the hill to take the city of Zion, to take the city of Jerusalem and claim it as his capital city. And the people in that city at that time, the Jebusites, are mocking David and the army outside and saying, you couldn't get into this place. We, we could just put our blind and our lame up along the wall and we could defend this city. It was a great fortress. And so in many ways, there's a proverb that was developed after that battle that said uh, that even the blind and the lame are not welcome in this place. And so it says it in 2 Samuel 5. You can look it up, verse 8 and other passages after that. But it's this picture of the blind and the lame are not welcome, and the blind and the lame were put up as someone who who was mocking the people of God and who were not welcome in the temple upon the city in Jerusalem, who were not in that place, and yet what we see so in such stark contrast is in Matthew 21 verse 14 right after David has well David has taken Jerusalem he's cleansed the city he makes it his headquarters Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a donkey in a similar way and he comes into the temple he cleanses the temple he clears out the money changers and then what does he do and I believe Matthew's the only one who references this but in verse 14 it says immediately in verse 14 and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. We see a very different kind of king here. Welcoming in the marginalized, those who are hungry and desperate and needy, who have no ability to change their situation. Outside of a king, one who has great power, and can change their situation forever. And yet, not just their physical station, but their eternal soul. He welcomes them in. Not only that, but the children are among them, crying out, Hosanna, help us, save us, save us. The blind cannot see come to Jesus, he gives them sight. The lame are brought in who cannot walk, and they leave walking, jumping, and rejoicing. What a beautiful picture of you and me. Come into the presence of God. We come before Jesus, and we say, Hosanna help me save me i cannot do this i don't i cannot see i don't know where to go but i can hear you lord i can hear jesus my faith may not be strong but i know you're true i know you're real and i believe save me and in a beautiful outward physical manifestation we see the inward spiritual life be regenerating like that little crocus flower, springing forth in the cold, dead heart of mine, springing forth into this new and beautiful life that comes with salvation because of what Jesus Christ can do. And yet at that same moment, we see people humbly coming before the great king of kings. And yet we see scribes scoffing. We hear the scribes scoffing. And you know what they say? I find it fascinating, this is kind of the, the phrase that I developed, this whole idea of the sermon off, the sounds of Palm Sunday, the sounds of spring, we hear them say this very thing. The children are crying out, we see the, the blind and the lame are rejoicing, and, and what do the scribes and the chief priests have the gall to say? They come to Jesus and they say, do you hear what these people are saying? they say do you, do you hear what these people are saying in a way to condemn him that do you not know that they're calling you the son of David do you not know that what they are saying and he, he says yes I, I fully know and understand what they're saying because as it was foretold in the, in the Old Testament that, that even the rocks will cry out if we silence these right That even from infants and children, even from them, I have prepared my praise. And now, from the lungs of blind men, I have been praised. From the lungs of of lame, I have been praised. From those, those who have been oppressed by the Roman Empire, the Israelite, those people who have come, believe, I have been praised. Hosanna, Hosanna. From all of these people. From these children that enter, in verse 15, the children, the children are crying out. And this is the, it reminds us of Jesus, let the children come unto me. The infants are crying out. The babies are making noise. And it's in those little forms of life that praise for the great and mighty creator goes forth. And he is pleased with that. He praises God. And it's in that child, it's in those little kids, it's in the, in the life of all of us that we are called to be like children, to have faith like a child, to come before him and believe and to say, Hosanna, save me, help me. So imagine today, what is it that you are hearing? I want to leave us with that before we, te- before we go to the table is this sense of, what is it that we hear on Palm Sunday? What, what do you hear this Palm Sunday? Yes, we hear from the scripture, a blind man crying out, a Messiah who calls out and answers, a donkey is braying, I hear crowds shouting, I hear tables flipping, I hear children crying out in praise, and I hear scribes scoffing. But what is it that you are hearing today? How is it that God is speaking to you today? What is it that he is wanting you to sing out to him? How is it that he is wanting you to praise him today? How is it that you need to come like a Palm Sunday and come before him and praise his holy name? Maybe for the first time, someone is here today who needs to cry out for the first time, Hosanna, help me, save me. For it's in that act of confession, you confess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And on Palm Sunday, we see our king riding in a donkey, humble, mounted on a foal of beast of burden. And we see our savior of the world who will then take that road and go to the cross, bear our sins and nail them there forever. And then he will be buried and then he will rise again. And on Easter, we'll gather here in one week from now and we will celebrate with a smile on our face because we have all cried out Hosanna. I don't want you to get to that place where you come Easter and you can't cry out that as well you can't behold your king for he's not your king but rather you today in your place maybe need to throw off your cloak you need to spring up and you need to go to Jesus and you will be healed you will be saved once I was blind but now I see Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Let's close in prayer. Father, we come before you. In a moment, we're going to come to your table. And I pray, God, you would reveal yourself in a mighty way. Reveal your power in the way that we experience in the table, God, that your body has been broken, your blood has been shed. You have been given to us as an offering. You have been given to God as a sweet-smelling savor to to be our substitutionary atonement, to be our saving grace, to be our savior. Thank you, God, for that. May we see in a new way, in a new light, the power of of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray.